Hey everyone, welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Today I have a phenomenal guest with us, Dr. Kimya Nuru Dennis will be sharing with us about Black collaboration from a personal standpoint as well as a professional standpoint. Welcome, Dr. Kimya. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Super, super excited because you and I chatted offline before during the pre-call as well as exchange some emails. So I want you to tell my listeners as well as the others who are going to come along besides them a little bit about yourself and where you're located and just give them a back end of your story. All right. Well, I'm Dr. Kimia Nerudetis. I'm an activist, sociologist, and criminologist, educator, and founder of 365 Diversity. I'm born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. I lived in North Carolina for 17 years, and now I live in Baltimore, Maryland since 2019. And so what I do is I do results-based trainings and workshops that focus on changing policies, practices, doing assessments and program evaluations to change everything, literally everything about schools, including libraries, materials, accreditation requirements, changing everything about medical and health, academic programs, organizations, and facilities. I don't believe that police can be changed, so I gave up on that attempt years ago. So instead of using police, looking at improving first responders, which police are not, such as EMS, uh, clinical social workers, mental health counselors, suicide prevention efforts, and improving various aspects of our lives and no longer allowing local officials and politicians and federal politicians to pretend there's not enough money to do preventive measures because there's always been enough money. It was just a matter of where they chose to put it. So that's what I do. So thank you for having me. I love it because you are a wealth of knowledge. You come to this platform <laughs> with lots of information to inspire, encourage, motivate, and shift our atmosphere as well as our culture. And today I want us to have that courageous conversation on Black collaboration and what exactly does that mean? How do we need to see it from a personal standpoint as well as a professional standpoint and just get people who don't necessarily look like us but people who don't look like us to stand in solidarity with us form that allyship and be the voice that they want to hear and be the change that they want to see so when you're you talk about black collaboration what are your top three things that come to mind Yes. So Black collaboration, top three, we have to understand we are descendants of tens of thousands of years of knowledges, sciences, mathematics, arts, literatures, research, libraries, schools. And so we have to always highlight that because we have a foundation of activism and scholarship. And that's important because unfortunately, in many parts of the world are white controlled. So many Black youth and Black adults truly believe that white people are the either creators of nearly everything that is worth knowing or are the main developers. Why? Because that's five centuries of intentional white abuse and white terrorism and white dominance. 
And so I want Black people to understand that we are not a people who lack capacity. We are not a people who lack agency. We, it's difficult, yes. Uh, racial inequities and racism will not go away in our lifetime. As long as we have racial categories and racial identities, racism will exist, as will sexism, as will ableism, as will classism, as will uh, heterocentrism and homophobia and transphobia. All of that will exist as long as humans exist. We don't have to get rid of our identities to get rid of inequities, but we have to understand that the oppressor is not designed to help the oppressed people. So as long as black people keep waiting for white people and other non-black people to help, that just reiterates the dependency on the system that is creating the disparities and the injustices in the first place. So I don't believe in a such thing as white ally. I believe in a such thing as white contributors and white collaborators. Whenever white people get angry at that because they really want to be called allies, I just explain to them the fact that you're more focused on being celebrated, congratulated, wearing an ally t-shirt, and being in charge, which is very common for white liberals, white progressives, and white anti-fascists, the fact that you're, you're, you're focused on yourself is a reiteration of how it's really still another form of white supremacy. It's white supremacy with a hug and a smile. And, and Black activists and scholars have called this out for centuries, even after, we, you know, the white prison, excuse me, the white slavery abolitionists, when we talk about white people who helped with the Underground Railroad and so forth. It wasn't so much white saviors in the sense of white people more being more, more intelligent. It was more so white people who were able to challenge their own white dominance. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's extremely rare. It's extremely rare, United States of America, Canada, despite Canada pretending that they are this racially just place. Canada has high rates of Islamophobia, racial hate crimes with white people being the majority of offenders. And that's the case around the world. So I want black people to stop waiting for white savior. And this includes black activists and black scholars whose value in their own work and in our communities is 100% based on white liberal permission, white liberal approval, and that's the same kind of harm. So mm -hmm. I want us to understand our value, the, the need for us to collaborate and contribute to each other's work locally and nationally, internationally, if people have the time and the money. Don't just yell at Black folks about voting, the whole voter die thing, let's go ahead and get rid of that, because it's not a motivation. Instead, <laughs> it's centuries of telling black people to just fall in line and shut up about expectations. Mm -hmm. Same thing here, we're talking about COVID vaccine. Yeah. I want black folks to have access to a vaccine while being able to ask questions about the vaccine, while being able to talk about after effects of the vaccine, mm -hmm. while being able to demand health services for our communities. It's not a one and done, it's a give and take. If we're gonna talk about COVID vaccine, if we're gonna talk about voting, there has to be reciprocity. People cannot just tell us what to do, including black folk, without us saying, okay, now we're gonna do a call and response. So I want black people to understand that we don't come from, like when we talk about celebrate our ancestors, our ancestors did what they had to do to survive literally and to make it through life 
And unfortunately, many did not make it that long. But then that phrase that some Black people are using on t-shirts, I am not my ancestors, I'll fight you. Get rid of that phrase too. <laughs> first of all, we got to get rid of this falsehood that first of all, all Black folk can fight. We got to get rid of that. Okay? No, because they all can't fight. <laughs> and no. they, they all don't pack guns because sometimes in comedy, they'll say, oh, if something pops off, run to the Black person's house because, you know, they got their strap, they got all the guns, all the weapons. No, yeah. white people have all those weapons yes. too. Yes. And I, well, I tell people, like, as a criminology and criminal justice professor, having a gun does not mean you have good aim. Mm -hmm. Like, I always had students and just people at conferences who would say, I got a gun, I'll shoot you. Unfortunately, most guns in people's houses end up stolen or used against them by the intruder, right? This is not a Hollywood movie. It's not that easy, okay? So I just want Black folk to stop the jargon, stop the nonsense, stop the whole while. I'm going to roll up on you. Although white people act like they're scared of us because that's required for centuries of acting like white people are the victims and all of this. Although they act like they're scared of us, White people really do know, and this includes white liberals and the white liberals you all allow to use, allow to use African-American vernacular and be black enough when they feel like it, including <laughs> them. They understand that when blank hits the fan, they always will be considered in the right and we will be considered in the wrong. Mm, that's Stop so true. Black, like Wu-Tang said, protect your neck. Stop giving people benefit of the doubt. We have to provide safety nets for each other stop abandoning other black people based on white people's promises. I, there's so many black people in schools and places of employment, they follow behind whatever white liberals and white progressives say, and they will watch a black person being lynched in front of them. And they'll say, well, you know, we can't save them all. I gotta keep my job. Well, let's stop right there and let's get to the root of that, Dr. Kimia, because why is it that some Black people will rather stop versus intervene, intervening to save someone that looks like them? Is it because they're so conditioned by what the white or Caucasian people or those who don't identify as Black or African-American has projected on them? Because sometimes we as Blacks, Browns, African-Americans, or whatever you want to call yourself, we are so taken back by certain things that we feel as if we speak up, then they're gonna turn on us too. But why are we allowing fear, false evidence appearing real to condition us to the point where we can't fight and stand up together with our brother or sister? And when I say brother and sister, I mean brother and sister, you don't have to be biologically related, but the fact that y'all share the same skin color and you may have some similarities, more similarities than differences, because we have colorism within our own community. And yep. when you try to call it out, they're like, what's wrong with you? Or they want to flip the script on you and call you an Oreo or call you, uh, um, what are some of the other terms that they call for the black people that love white people or whatever? They always want to flip the blame on you versus reflecting and looking at themselves. So can you expound right. on that a little bit more? And, and please feel free to explain it a little different than I have if you feel compelled to. 
Oh, you're fine. So colorism, that is the foundation of all of this, the creation of racial categories by white people palling thousands of years of millions of cultures, billions of people into these narrow categories for the purpose of that's just how, when we talk about categorical distinctions, that's conducive to categorical injustices because the best way to control people for thousands of years is to say, you go in this category, you go in this category. Anyone who blurs the categories, there's oftentimes outrage by the oppressors and also outrage by the people who have built pride in those categories. Mm. And so also I just encourage you not to say Caucasian because when you look at the history of this terminology, the Caucasoid, Negroid, and Mongoloid. I don't go by, I'm not a Negroid, of course, mm -hmm. you know, that was the whole yeah. falsehoods of, of these false definitions of race that included people like Senzal Ambroso and all these scientists who pretended that there were these genetic links to race that connect with intellectualism and crime and all that. So we want to also challenge that because there's still Black people, including Black people of certain religious perspectives who believe that the, the African man created the white man in the laboratory. So we want to get rid of all that nonsense. All of it's false. So we want to get rid of that. So as for why a lot of Black people, and this is a lot of Black people align, is yeah, it's not just some, it's a whole lot around the world. I mean, that's the whole intent when you talk about centuries of brainwashing. Mm -hmm. There are Black people on still on the continent of Africa, born and raised, still on the continent of Africa, who believe they're not only superior, to black people who are on the Western hemisphere because of transatlantic slavery, but that somehow European whites brought knowledge to Africa. So although they are born and raised in the continent of Africa, they falsely believe in the whole thing of African booty scratcher. Like we were just sitting in a jungle, scratching our booties for thousands of years. And then here comes those Europeans with books and knowledge and sciences and laboratories, right? Forget the fact that we have thousands of years of holistic medicine and health Asian diaspora, indigenous, aboriginal, African black, there's there are people who believe that. So it's that whole white savior syndrome, the falsehood that white people either created everything or are in control of everything. So I tell black people, if you're scared of defending another black person because you're afraid of white people coming to get you, you do realize white people are gonna come and get you anyway. <laughs> They are. I mean, like I tell that to black, black school decision makers and black school teachers when they theoretically they'll do things like I support critical race theory. And I say, well, let's change the curriculum. I need my job. Well, here's the thing. You need to go beyond con concepts and theories. You need to go beyond ideas. If you're afraid of offending white people, if you're afraid that white people are going to harm you, fire you, they're going to do it anyway. The moment you say no to anything, mm -hmm. the best way to reduce the likelihood of that happening is to form collaborations, is to not be a spectator when other Black people are being abused, mm. right? Because we think about that during transatlantic slavery, what it means when a Black person is getting hanged, lynched, getting whooped, and the other slaves are like, glad that ain't me. Well, However, it could, it could have been you. It could have been, but there were many slave rebellions so there were slave rebellions all across the Western Hemisphere. Mm. A lot of people quote people like in Haiti and so forth, but it happened in parts of the United States, America, and Canada as well. And the whole idea of the rebellion was like, it's a whole lot of us. It's actually probably a little bit more of us than it was of the white people, because that was during a time where the white people were not necessarily 67% of the 
populations like white people are now. Well, one thing mm-hmm. that that really bothers me that I don't see a lot is Black people really sticking together, like mm-hmm. to build a business, build their empire, build a lasting foundation, legacy, or et cetera. Because I've seen people who would rather go spend their money with a white person and build their brand. And I'm talking about Gucci, Fendi, Prada, um, Red Bottoms, all these other designers. But then you have a black woman over here selling her purses, selling her candles, her soaps, or you know her own products. And they're like, nah, I'm not for it. But then you'll spend your money on the same people who have dished out racist rhetoric they have called you names to your face but you overlook it they have said things about the entire racial group as well as the entire culture but yet you just dismiss it and you keep on making deposits into their brand that you can't make withdrawals out of and i think that is you know a, a problem and i'm just speaking from the standpoint of me being a black entrepreneur also an author of my own black book and when you tell people certain things that it just goes over and it's like, okay, you know what? They're probably just not part of my tribe or whatever. But then the minute something happens, they want you to support their brand. But where were you and where were they whenever you were building? Is that making sense? Yep, yep. So that goes back to the whole brainwashing that <laughs> that tells people what a real business is. As you know, banks are more likely to give business loans to people of Asian descent to white people, also to people who come directly from the continent of Africa, parts of the Caribbean. Um, In other words, people who are not a descendant of transatlantic slavery in the United States of America, oftentimes are more likely to be considered more likely to have a lasting business and get loans and so forth. So that's something when we're talking about white power, white dominance and anti-blackness, it literally is the full span of much of the world because it's five centuries of that brainwashing in which people are ranked. And it also happens when you're talking about the workforce, when you talk about immigration laws. A lot of times Black Americans, and I usually don't say Black Americans because I don't believe in patriotism in that sense, but Black people born and raised in the United States of America oftentimes are opposed to newly immigrated populations because that's now considered competition in the labor force. All of that, and that's connected, of course, to capitalism. Whenever people say they don't want to talk about racism, they want to talk about capitalism. So therefore, they call themselves socialists and communists and Marxists. I tell them they're they're still using the European white version of all of this. Number one, capitalism is directly connected with whiteness, anti-Blackness, anti-Brownness, and racism forever. That's part of the creation. Because if you look at the origins of transatlantic slavery as not specifically being anti-Black, but more so using anti-Blackness to pursue profit, build capitalism, that's the whole Protestant ethics, spirit of capitalism, and all that, it's all connected. And guess what also? Karl Marx was not the first person to initiate these challenges to this economic system. We have African and Black theorists, researchers and activists to address this as well. So I tell this to a lot of black communists, black socialists that 
even if you pretend that Karl Marx and Frederick Engels were the first to initiate this discussion, you're now still solidifying white dominance because you're pretending that we come from thousands of years of knowledge. However, we were too damn dumb to think of ways to challenge profit margins and challenge economic structures. Mm, I love that. So, so all that goes together. I mean, we have to we have to understand like you can align with European scholars, Asian scholars, indigenous scholars, non-white Hispanic, non-white Latinx, Latina, Latino scholars, but you have to still understand how our people contributed to all that. Because when you're saying that there's anti-blackness, anti-blackness includes pretending that we're just here and everyone else is sharing their knowledge with us as though who knows where we came from, like we didn't come from knowledge. And as though we don't have more than four centuries of creating knowledge, arts and literatures on the Western hemisphere as well as black people. So all of that comes together. And I like that it's all ties in because for the listeners out there, as well as the viewers, we all are given knowledge, wisdom, intelligence, and et cetera, but it's how we use it. How are we going to keep cultivating the information that we're getting and how are we going to decipher by the information that we receive is it false is it true and are we having these courageous conversations such as Dr. Kimya and I are having to just talk about this because there's so much knowledge to still be learned but if we're not going to appropriate places to seek that knowledge then it's causing us to fall behind because a lot of the knowledge that Dr. Kimya is bringing to the forefront today is enlightening it, enlightening. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the information that she shared with me offline, I had no idea. So I took that and I deposited that because I was like, ooh, these are some good gems that, are, that she's dropping here. So I want to encourage you as you're listening to this segment to just really write down some things, some things that you may not know. Go back and research it because education is key and knowledge is power. And I don't want you to perish for a lack of knowledge because we don't know what we don't know. But when someone is gracing our presence by sharing their knowledge, dropping gems, and giving us insight, we should be keen to listen on what is being spoken. And Dr. Kimmy, I definitely, okay, you know this weekend is Juneteenth, so do you celebrate Juneteenth? And if you do, share why and what are some significance around it? Because not a lot of people know the meaning and the reasoning of Juneteenth. Yes. So I celebrate Juneteenth every year. When I still was in North Carolina, I was part of a Juneteenth committee. So I was the co-chair of the medical and health component. So we would have medical and health workshops. I uh, presented for a, a Black health workshop. And so that festival was wonderful in Winston-Salem. It's still going on. It didn't happen last summer because of COVID, but I think it's happening this year because it's a little bit safer as long as people wear masks and distance. So I celebrate this um, and that is connected with me again, being born and raised in the second capital confederacy, which is the place of Monument Avenue, the Confederate monuments, the Confederate names, including on our black public school buildings. And that's of course the where Arthur Ashe was born and raised. So we have the Arthur Ashe Stadium there. So as a child, my parents brought took my brothers and me to celebrate Martin Luther King, 
to celebrate all these black holidays, which I don't need them to become national holidays actually. And I don't honor American flag, American chants and American anthems. I put, I stand up and put my hand in my heart for lift every voice and sing. And that is because to me, that's what represents who I am as a Pan-African pro-Black woman with a disability. And you notice I never take the woman part out of it. So my Pan-African pro-Blackness requires gender equity, not the version of it that puts us in the kitchen all the time and taking care of babies, but like real gender equity so we can do whatever we wanna do, just like all genders should be able mm -hmm. to. And so for Juneteenth represents, technically it represents when the enslaved Black people in Texas were notified of the Emancipation Proclamation. So that's a celebration of the true freedom, but we also want to talk about what Emancipation Proclamation was not. Whenever I see Black people celebrating Abe Lincoln, whenever I see Black people going to an Abraham Lincoln statue and trying to kiss it and stuff, that goes back to that whole white savior syndrome. Abraham Lincoln did not care about Black people. He said we could go back to Africa if all he cares. And then when I hear Black people say, he actually looked like he was Black, his mama, y'all better stop. Y'all want to give everybody the Black card. Just go ahead and stop that, okay? The Abraham Lincoln Emancipation Proclamation was 100% about capitalism. And it was not about Black people living or dying. We could have swam across that ocean back to the continent of Africa and died for all he cared, okay? So I want Black folk to stop worshiping Abraham Lincoln. If you got an Abraham Lincoln t-shirt with him with an Afro, go ahead and smack yourself in the forehead because that's stupid, okay? Juneteenth is not, is not a celebration of Abraham Lincoln. It's 100% an understanding of real history, not white people's version. It's real history. How Black people, even after Juneteenth, after that day where Texans were notified of this, we still were never really free because, I mean, there were forms of indentured servitude after that still, plantation working, although they were always free Black people in that over the centuries, it's still relative free, right? You're not free, like I tell people this, you're not free if your people are enslaved. You're not free if you have to have a card to prove to white people that you're free so they won't lynch you, so they won't burn you, right? You're not free if you have to beg white people not to rape you, like literally raping you. And so I just want Black people to stop using white people's version and white people's interpretation, which includes movies that depict slavery as difficult. But, you know, you know, we had Negro spirituals. We still got our Black and Negro spirituals. But these movies and these shows still don't depict the accuracy of what it means to be enslaved for centuries and as generations and generations upon slavery. That's where a lot of our eating came from because we were stolen from mostly Western Africa. Many of us came from lands of agriculture, contrary to what people keep claiming. Most of us are not descendants of royalty and I'm proud of that. I tell people, do not call me a queen. I don't consider that a compliment. First of all, royalty becomes royalty by controlling other people, right? And that includes in the continent of Africa. There's nothing wrong with coming from agriculture, from people who, from people who were impoverished and still are centuries later. So whenever people say, girl, here's your, here's your queen card, I tear it up. I literally do not 
want our people to think to counter this false narrative given by white people that now we all got to pretend to be royalty. That's, I just think it's really stupid. And I think it's really harmful. It's an attempt at reverse psychology, but reverse psychology should never be about declaring yourself royalty. So I want people to think about that when you're at a festival this weekend, think about what it means to celebrate our people's freedom. Freedom requires not any of us being mentally, emotionally, physically enslaved by the system. That schools that use white people's version of everything for everything, that includes medical and health organizations and facilities that do not give us the services that we need because it's all based on European white people's version, like the BMI, body mass index, the diagnostical statistical manual used for giving people diagnoses for mental illness, whether it's police departments, anything, you're not free if it's based on white people's permission and white people's version of everything. You're not free if you feel you got to call yourself a king to boost up your own confidence, right? It's like 12 Years a Slave, that movie I hate, but it's based on a true story. This black man hanging out with white people, getting drunk, ends up enslaved, right? That's an example of another form of brainwashing where white people convince you, your people over there are struggling, but you're different. So you can come party with us and just pretend we good. I tell black folk, you're not free, no matter how many white family, white friends, white colleagues, no matter how many Pulitzer Prizes, New York Times bestsellers, no matter the ritzy school that you just got hired to work for, you're not free as long as there's oppressions happening around you because there's nothing stopping white people from doing the same thing to you. Mm. So I'm Dr. Dennis, but I've been called Dr. Nigger, Dr. Cunt, when white people stalk me every day. White people do not care about the resources that you have access to and your expertise and your knowledge. They want you to get comfortable and complacent while the rest of our people are being hanged and lynched because they want you to just not care. And that goes back to the whole collaboration. Mm. They want us to leave our people behind. Mm -hmm. which, which is really, really, really sad, disheartening. And it just, and if it doesn't cause you to feel some type of way, then it should, because at the end of the day, the only thing that really, in my opinion, that really makes us different is our outward appearance, because we all bleed red, we all have, you know, similar organs and all of that stuff, whether you still have all your organs inside, or if you had some removed for health reasons or complications or whatever. And I really truly believe that we really need to get back to the root of things, not just going with the he say, she say, and stop covering up things because they're hard to talk about, it's hard to look at, and etc. Because all that's doing is just pushing the unconscious biases, the preconceived notions, and etc. In my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I want people to think about this for Juneteenth when you're at the Juneteenth Festival. It's a wonderful time. We're celebrating our arts. You're gonna have um, African and black historians there and, and educators there. But I also want us to remember, cause you just mentioned biases and you know, we all humans have had biases for tens of thousands of years. We've had thoughts, assumptions, prejudices. I'm one of those people, I'm not interested in people's biases. I'm interested in power, stolen and abused 
And that is the foundation of white dominance and racism. White dominance and racism and anti-Blackness in general do not go away just because Black folk waste our lives explaining things to white people, trying to convince white people, trying to beg white people to be an ally, trying to pretend to read white people's minds and say, well, let me tell you about my hair. Like, look, y'all need to stop wasting your time on this whole challenging white people's bias thing. Because white people have learned for five centuries how to smile while they're lynching us. If you don't know that, then you need to see videos of white people lynching us from trees while they are having a cookout and their white children are smiling along with them. White people are experts at knowing how to pretend to be loving, kind, professional. This includes your white teachers, your white police officers, your white medical doctor, your white nurse, your white colleague, all of that. So white people waste their time in these trainings, sitting around you all cuddling each other, talking about going to lunch. Next day, those white people will do something like increase the curriculum in the school, all white people as the authors. So that's why it's beyond said about when people say, I love you Negroes, but you're not for me to make you the author for this book. So that's where the power comes in. Thank you for expounding upon that and just sharing your viewpoint there, Dr. Kimia. And as we begin to close, I want you to tell the listeners as well as the viewers one more time who you are, how they could connect with you on social media, and leave them with some call to actions that you want them to go do their research and their homework on. So next time when we have you back on, you could drop some more knowledge, wisdom, insight, and et cetera. <laughs> Right, because you and I can end up on here for hours, right? Uh, so I'm Dr. Kenya Nuru-Dennis, 365Diversity. You can go to 365Diversity.com. I'm not into the fancy smashy stuff. I'm in activism and knowledge. So if you're looking for something that looks like one of those DEI, big money-making things where the website is like blossing and stuff like that, I want y'all to more so focus on the real message and the real outcome and the real results beyond just making you smiley while you're being oppressed, okay? I also just want us to remember collaborations. You can yell at black folks to vote or die all you want to. Fact remains, all politicians and all political parties are invested in their careers, their salaries, and keeping each other happy while we as black folks suffer, okay? And that's black folk who are LGBTQIA, who are women, who are gender non-identifying, black men, Black people with disabilities, all sorts of Black people, right? We got to understand the system is not designed to really fulfill centuries of their promises. And this includes Black politicians. It's 100% designed to keep us begging while also telling us, don't beg, wait, things will get better, I promise. So I want you all, instead of joining these campaigns for these politicians, join campaigns for the local community groups that are doing community health work that are feeding our people, that are teaching our people real information. I'm not impressed when you contact me to vote for a politician. You better get off my phone. I'm impressed when you're actually joining this grassroots activism and donating your time and money, the stuff that white people do not want you to do. Try that. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, listeners. You've heard it here on GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. This is Dr. Kimya Nuru Dennis. She has been phenomenal. Make sure you go subscribe to my new YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp, as you will see new features with video and audio. If you just want to hear the audio segment of this, you can go over to Anchor FM, Spotify, Bleaker, Apple Podcasts, or etc. And like and subscribe to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And if you want to hear more information, give me your feedback by sending me an email at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp at gmail.com. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and blessings. Signing out. Uh-huh.